Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be on God made you to be you. God made you unique. There is no other you out there. This is why God highly values a personal relationship with you. Because there is no other you on this earth. You're like a fingerprint or a snowflake. Your relationship is so important to God that he sent his only son down to die for you. Yes, if you were the only person on earth, he would send his son down to die for you. I asked God about this. Why would he send his son to die for me personally? He told me, I would always send my son down to die for my son. You see, I know where my son Jesus is going, but I didn't know what was going to happen to you, and I wanted a relationship with you for eternity. So, God sent his son Jesus down to die for his sons and daughters to have a relationship with them for eternity. Rick Warren writes, God made you to be you. God planned every single day of your life before you took your first breath. God knew everything that would ever happen to you. Long before you were conceived by your biological parents, you were conceived in the mind of God. It's not by fate, chance, luck, or coincidence that you are breathing at this very moment. You're alive right now because God wants you, with all your strength and your weaknesses, to be alive. Whether your parents were good, bad, or indifferent, God used them. They had the exact DNA needed to create you. God wanted you alive from the beginning of time. God has a plan for your life, and he has a purpose he wants to complete. And God made you to be you. The Bible says, You made my whole being. You formed me in my mother's body. I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. You saw my bones being formed as I took shape in my mother's body. When I was put together there, there, you saw my body as it was formed. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. Out of Psalm 139, 13-16. God created you so... He could love you for eternity. Your parents may have contributed your DNA, but God made you. You were not just another baby born. God personally planned for your birth. You are God's masterpiece. He made you so he could love you and so you could fulfill his purposes in this world. At different seasons of life, you may struggle to see what that purpose is, but you never have to doubt that it's there. Before you were born, God gave you a purpose. So next, I want to tell you about a couple that God has uniquely made. That couple is Chip and Joanna Gaines. And the secret behind Chip and Joanna's success is their faith. There's something special about this couple. If you ever watch Fixer Upper, a unique popular home improvement show, you notice that there's something quite different about the husband and wife duo, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Whatever that special something is, it causes 24 millions of viewers to tune in for a dose of it. Chip, a contractor, and Joanna, a designer, work together to renovate old, worn-down homes into something new and beautiful. But it's not just the work they do that sets them apart. It's the way they encourage, giggle at each other, and hug their children and make you realize that there's something very different about this couple. And now we know their secret. The foundation of their love is Jesus Christ. And Chip said, as for Fixer Upper, we have been surprised at the impact of our faith through the show. 
We haven't been overly evangelical, but the rich feedback we have received on family and love all source from our faith. Jesus said the world will know his disciples by their love for one another, and we've glimpsed this in practice and strive for it every day. Chip's journey with Jesus started in 1975 at a Billy Graham Crusade building when he was just a one-year-old ginger baby. Chip's mother, Gail, redirected her life to Christ and became serious about her faith. Even though my mom had been baptized at the age of eight, she decided to go forward to answer the invitation to believe. My parents made attending church a priority, which strengthened their marriage, and they involved themselves in a young couple's Sunday school class. In the 1990s, my mom worked at World Publishing, which published books for Billy Graham. She found continued encouragement in his writing, Chip recalled. And as Chip grew older, God continued to use the work of Billy Graham to pour into his life. Chip attended college with Billy Graham's grandchildren, and when he spent a week at their home, it was their father, Danny Lotes, who began to take Chip under his wing. Danny discipled and mentored Chip, teaching him how to live more like Christ. He wasn't a pastor, but he was influential in showing me how to live out my faith, even in a secular environment. Chip said, He impacted my life by spurring me to shape my choices with my faith and to walk in my faith regardless of my calling. He challenged me to process what God was doing in my life and train my mind with God's truth. I learned so much from him, and he always spoke so highly of Billy Graham, who he said talked the talk and walked the walk. So to this day, I think about talking the talk and walking the walk because of Billy Graham and Danny Lotes. It was inevitable that one day Chip would be tested on everything that he had learned. Years later, Chip and Joanna married and were pregnant with their second baby. They owned a furnishing store called Magnolia Market, but they were sensing that God was telling them to trust him, close the store, and focus on raising their family. Joanna wasn't sure about the future, but she was obedient, and she closed the doors to their store. She felt like her dreams were closing with it. Ironically, that's when the peace of God overwhelmed her, and he reminded her to trust him with her dreams. God made the plans for her life, and they were better than what she could imagine. God taught me to study the word and believe it, even when it hadn't been fulfilled yet. I really had to cultivate a place of faith that I never had before. I had to trust him and he would speak his promises to me. She explained this trust brought peace, although my circumstances hadn't yet reflected his promise, his word doesn't return void. And God was working in my heart to establish a deeper levels of trust that I now look back on and I am thankful for. At just the right time, a production company heard about Chip and Joanna's home renovation business, and now you can find them on HGTV being the cutest couple you ever did see. Through their success, Chip and Joanna won't forget their journey and their faith. They hold on to their strongest foundation, Jesus Christ. Our family has made a commitment to put Christ first, a lifestyle our parents modeled for us very well. They showed us how to keep our marriage and family centered around God. So next, I'm going to play a song by Tommy Walker. Really love his music. And the song is called Only a God Like You. And here it is. 
I'm just going to pray a prayer for the night. Oh, God, we pray for the sake of your glory, for the sake of your great name. Come and do a mighty work among us now. Took the time 
to save that one lost lamb to only the king who wore that crown of thorns so I could wear the crown of life and to only the one who conquered sin and death come on so we could be set free so we could Hey, what a great song by Tommy Walker. You can get Tommy Walker Ministries on YouTube. You can subscribe to his channel. And, and you can also connect with him at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. And here's what Tommy said regarding this song. It is simply a declaration that I will worship the God of the Bible only. As I have been reading through the Bible lately, and I have been reminded that throughout history, human beings seem to constantly stray away and worship other things and other gods. What a blessing it has been over the years to shout out. Through this song, I am a worshiper of Jesus and him alone. The Bible tells us about a man named Gideon who thought he was not important. He was hiding from the enemy that had invaded his country. When Gideon had given up all hope for his people, God sent an angel to encourage him. And the angel had this message, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior, out of Judges 6.12. God did not evaluate Gideon by his fear or insecurity. Instead, God saw Gideon's potential in helping his people. God saw him as a warrior, not a coward. People soon knew the Lord was with Gideon, for he behaved differently. Think of Gideon and take courage. You may not feel important, but you are in God's eyes because you are somebody to him. He wants you to behave differently. And you are somebody. You're a child of God. What happened to you when you became a Christian? You repented of your sin and God forgave you. You were saved because you asked Jesus Christ to become the Savior and Lord of your life. You believed in him as Son of God and received him into your heart to rule over your life. And God has done a work in you. The Gospel of John tells us what a wonderful thing takes place when people receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God, out of John 1, 12-13. 
Was this only for those who lived in the time of Jesus? No, of course not. To be born again is the right and experience of all who have ever believed and received Jesus. We are made new through his Holy Spirit. In a special way, God has given life to you. It is not a new physical life. No one can go back to being a baby. It's a new spiritual life, which God himself brings into being. He is the father of all who are born again. We are his children. So, if you are a Christian believer, you are a child of God. Can you imagine how important that makes you? You really are somebody. You are a child of the Almighty God. The creator of the universe is your father. So, what is the purpose for you as his child? When you read that God is your heavenly father, perhaps you think of your own father. What was your father like when you were a child? Certainly, he was not perfect, for only God is perfect. However, a good father loves his children. He wants them to have the best he can provide. He wants them to have a happy and complete life and be the best they can be. God, our Heavenly Father, wants the same for you. He wants the best for his children. He has a purpose for our new lives as Christians. God wants us to be happy as we fulfill his purpose for our lives. In Ephesians 2, we learn about the great things God has done for us. We were spiritually dead following our own desires, but God has made us alive in Jesus Christ. This new life is the gift of God received by faith in Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes about what it means to become a child of God. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do out of Ephesians 2.10. The purpose of God for his children includes a life of good deeds. Good deeds means doing what is good and right in all things. We should use all our time and talents to be the best we can become. This will please our Heavenly Father and will give us a happy and complete life. However, good deeds alone cannot make anyone a Christian. In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we learn that salvation is not earned. It is a gift of God. But once a person becomes a child of God, he or she must live according to God's standards. A child of God is different and acts differently from people who are not Christians. Christians show their faith by doing new things for God. This is the message of James 1, 23-25. Faith has to show itself in action. We have talked about God's purpose for Christians in terms of good deeds. It is important for you to understand, however, that what you do is an outward sign of what you are. You are somebody, you are God's child. But what will God's child be like? God chose us before the creation of this world to be holy and blameless in his sight, out of Ephesians 1.4. God wants his children to be holy and without fault. You know that the believer is a new creation. You can also know from your Bible reading and from experience that a Christian is not instantly perfect. Even the disciples had faults, but God wants all his children to become holy. This takes time, like a child growing up. In fact, our growth will not be complete until we are in heaven. A carpenter may hope that his son will be a skillful carpenter. A singer may want her daughter to become a great musician. But does being born into a certain family give a child the skill of his or her parent? No. It takes time, teaching, and practice to develop any skill. 
The child has to want to learn from the parent and do as the parent instructs. God can help believers change their attitudes. Attitudes are the ways we feel about people and things. Our attitudes will show what we are like. So when God saves us, he changes our inner life. Then our new life produces godly attitudes and actions. That is one definition of Bible ethics, putting your new life into practice through your attitude and actions. You may have heard someone say, if you were the only sinner in the world, Jesus would have died for you. But you were not the only one, were you? It was part of God's plan of salvation that many should be saved. You were included, of course. The suffering of Jesus was to bring many sons to share his glory out of Hebrews 2.10. God intended his son, Jesus, to be the firstborn among many brothers, Romans 8.29. So do you think the words sons and brothers do not include you if you were a woman? No, you have an equal right to be called a son of God. Those who believed and received had the right to become God's children. God has placed you in his family. God has many sons and daughters. The Christians who form the family of God, our Father wants his family to be a united group. The Bible expresses this by calling God's family the body of Christ out of Ephesians 4.12. A body is a unit formed of many parts, all working for one purpose. Though different, each part needs the other. Christ's body is like that. It is formed of Christians from different countries, races, and ages. Yet it is unified, made into one body and one family. Paul writes to the believers in Ephesus, You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, that of Ephesians 2.19. Unity is wonderful, but God did not make Christians one body just to have a unit. A soccer coach does not collect players just to say that he has a team. He unifies them to play. God has a purpose for the body of Christ, and you have a part to play in it. What is the purpose for you in the family? Why did God place people in families? Think of an orphan or a widow in your town. It is easy to see that people need people. The family is God's way of meeting needs, both physical and emotional. Together, a family can provide the food and housing needed by the members. Together, it can meet the needs of each person. God placed each of his children in his family for the same reason because we need each other. Perhaps you do not feel the need for other Christians to help you with your physical or emotional needs. Perhaps you have a family in which you are loved and cared for, but your brothers in Christ may need your help in these ways. Without a doubt, you have an important part in the ministry to these other members of the family. We all need to take part in the spiritual life of God's family. The writer to the Hebrews puts the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs together. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, out of Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. By coming together with other Christians, you can meet needs and have needs met. This is biblical ethics. You put this new life into practice by helping the family of God. Paul gives us an example of this attitude and deeds when he says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you out of Ephesians 3.2. 
God wants us to live for the good of others in the body of Christ. So you are somebody. You're an ambassador of the kingdom. What would happen to a family that did not grow? Families are meant to increase in number. When God created first human beings, he told them to increase the family out of Genesis 1.28. God wants the same for his spiritual family. He wants more and more people to be born again into his family. Jesus said to his disciples, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit out of Matthew 28.19. Christ's body of believers must grow. And each member has a share in this process. You are commanded to help by doing your best to bring more believers into God's family. When you become a Christian, you did not suddenly leave this world and go to heaven. Yet being with the Lord in heaven is far better than life here on earth, out of Philippians 1.23. God could have taken you to be with him, but he chose not to. Probably another thing did happen when you became a child of God. All the problems of money and work did not suddenly disappear. Your neighbors and fellow workers did not suddenly become more friendly and helpful. Why not? You were still left in this world. And here, things are not always easy. Problems are mixed with joys. You may have harder decisions to make than before you were a Christian. Your family and friends may not understand you. And the devil who is an evil angel opposed to all God's good works, is against you. But consider Jesus' prayer to God for his disciples. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world, out of John 17, 15, and 16. If God wants his children in the world, you can be sure that there is a good reason. Some Christians would like to separate themselves from other people. They leave their homes, families, and villages to live away from the world. That is not what God intended. His plan for you and for all his children is to do his work in the world. Jesus told the disciples, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you, out of John 20, 21. You are sent to the world just as much as Peter, James, John, and all of Jesus' disciples were. You are to represent the Lord to those around you. Listen to what Paul says about Christians living as God's representatives. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold on the word of life. In order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing, out of Philippians 2, 14-16. Therefore, your job involves being, feeling, and doing. You are to be God's child, innocent and pure. You are to feel like God's child, happy and obedient, not grumbling. You are to act as his child, doing everything you can for others and telling them about Christ. A person who represents his country in a foreign land is called an ambassador. He or she is important. Others recognize what the ambassador is and where he or she comes from. In the foreign land, the ambassador speaks with authority when his or her own country's interests are involved. You are an ambassador. You represent the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul expresses this idea. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and through God we are making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God out of 2 Corinthians 5.20.
God's purpose is for you to speak for Christ. God sends you to show and tell people that he loves them and wants to give them new life. What privilege could be greater? What responsibility could be more challenging? What activity places a greater demand on you in terms of practicing your new life? God's purpose for you is a high one. No one by his or her own power could fulfill it, but you are born again by the Spirit of God, and he lives in you to help you do what you could not do before. The Holy Spirit helps you live out your new nature and attitudes and actions worthy of your child of God. But you have to let him help you by doing what he tells you. You are responsible for the way you live out what God has entrusted to you. Paul's encouragement to Timothy is a good reminder that you must make an effort. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed of who correctly handles the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 So I'm going to end today's episode on a poem called God Knows. When you are tired and discouraged from fruitless effort, God knows how hard you have tried. When you've cried so long, your heart is in anguish. God has counted your tears. If you feel that your life is on hold and time has passed you by, God is waiting for you. When nothing makes sense and you are confused and frustrated, God has the answer. If suddenly your outlook is brighter and you find traces of hope, God has whispered to you. When things are going well and you have much to be thankful for, God has blessed you. When something joyful happens and you are filled with awe, God has smiled on you. Remember that whatever you are or whatever you are feeling, God knows. Why? Because he is the one that made you. He is the one that sent his son down to die for you so you can have a relationship with him. Make sure you spend time with him. So that does bring us to the end of our episode. And my closing prayer as always is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path. So next week's episode is going to be on God has given you spiritual gifts. You, hey, you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Light for free. I hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week.